right, so let's jump into it. Jonah, chapter one, that's where we were last week. We're on the second half of the story uh, that we actually did not cover. We read the, all 17 verses, but we only talked about half of it, so we're going to start there. And we got to cover chapter two today, so bear with me. We're going to get this, all right? So if you weren't here last week, you forgot kind of the story of Jonah. Jonah has received a word from the Lord with the command of go. We spent all last week talking about that word, go. All right, because it is it is crucial to our faith in Jesus Christ, to, to the maturing that is to take place in our lives, we must be willing to go. All right, of course, Jonah, like Michael and many of you, has other plans. And his plans are to run from the presence of the Lord, which I find just that, that I just chuckle at that, thinking that Jonah thinks he's going to be able to outrun God, that he can go all the way to Tarshish, which is five times further away than Nineveh was from where he was. He thinks that he can go over to the Spanish Riviera, because that's where it is, and, and he can just hide from God. It's not happening. God sends a storm. Jonah, he's down in the bottom of the ship. He's sleeping. The professional sailors do everything that they knew to do. Everything that they could do on a professional level, and the boat is out of control. Then they take it a step further. They start calling on their little G-gods to save them, to rescue them. All the while, Jonah somehow is sleeping through all of this. So the captain comes down. He wakes up Jonah. He's like, what's going on? Get up here. We're about to die. And so the crew, they do this thing where they're like, okay, this is somebody's fault. We're going to cast some lots, all right? And whoever it falls on, it's your fault. It's your fault. And of course, there's a miracle here because it falls on Jonah. And so now these guys, these sailors are like, hey, what's, what's, what's happening? What have you done? Right? They start grilling him. They want, to, they want to know, hey, what's your occupation? Where are you from? Who are your people? Which God did you make mad and how did you do it? Because this storm is unlike anything we've ever seen. And Jonah tells them, hey, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew man. Let me tell you, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, the one who actually made the sea, all right, the one who made the land. That's, that's my God. Y'all got these little G-gods? This is the most prophet thing Jonah does in the entire story up to this point. He, he actually says that I believe and listen and obey sometimes the God who created all of this stuff. And verse 10 says that the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had already told them. They want to know what in the world is going on. And so the decision is made. Hurl me over. Jonah chapter 1, verse 11 is where we pick up. They want to know, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us 
innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now there is an entire sermon right there in those verses that we cannot even get to. But I want to point out a couple of things. Jonah is like, throw me from the boat. All right, look, I, I'm the problem. I, I'm the issue. Throw, get rid of me and everything's going to calm down. And what do these guys do? They, they have more compassion for Jonah than Jonah has for the very people of Nineveh that God has sent him to. And they're like, no, we're going to row harder. And we're going to row harder. And we're going to try harder. You can't out-row God. Okay, you can't out-try God. It just keeps barreling down on them and to the point where it just gets to the point where they have no option. They're going to throw them over. And so that's what they do. They throw them over. And in Jonah's obedience to this, notice the reaction to the very men who we would be considered, we would consider pagans. Through Jonah's obedience, the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows. They made vows of commitment to the Lord through Jonah's obedience. Alright? And then, of course, verse 17, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Alright, let's stop here for a second. Remember what we said last week. We said it like five times. In God's economy, going is never only about the destination, but about the faithfulness of the person who God is commanding to go. Now, it's not always about the destination. We've all been commanded to go. And here's an idea that I read this week. God uses people to complete tasks. But many times, God will use the task to complete people. And I want you to think about that for a second. God will use the task that He's commanded you to go on to complete you, to mold you, to shape you. So God commanded us to go into our neighborhoods. He's, he's commanded us to go into our little league games and into our offices for the purpose of building relationships and to love people, to have gospel conversations with, with people and to disciple people who will make disciples. And here's the thing, church, we said this last week, and you've got, to, you've got to embrace this. If you're going to be obedient to the Lord in going, you've got to understand this. Going will always disrupt the normalcy of our lives. We cannot serve God 100% faithfully and keep doing all the things that we're already doing and just try to fit God into it. It's not going to happen. No to something is going to have to happen if we are going to go for God. And here's the thing. I've done this thing long enough, and I've been in this disciple-making movement long enough where, where at my own household, at my own kitchen table, we've had these conversations. We don't feel qualified to go and build relationships with other people. We don't feel worthy to engage people in conversation. Why would anybody ever think about me? Why would anybody ever listen to me? Have you ever thought about this? Maybe God wants you to walk down your street and invite that person into a relationship 
so that God can do something in your life. See, we fear rejection. Jonah's like, go to Nineveh. And I shared everything with y'all. Man, I got to speak at FCA this past week at, at Austin Middle School. And I got to, and I was like, well, I'm just going to talk to them about all the glory stuff that happened in Nineveh. That'll win them over. And the man's like, no, you, you really can't. Like, you, you, can't, you can't go that far. So I, I only told them a couple of the stories uh, uh, that, that I read about Nineveh and how gruesome Nineveh was. It's a brutal place. I mean, Nahum calls it a place that loves blood. Jonah's like, I don't want to go there. They're not going to listen to you. Forget the outcome or the rejection that may be happening. God can use the task to mature you, to complete you. In preacher circles, we often say it like this. God works on the messenger before He works on the message. Do you know that Jonah's entire message to Nineveh Ed's going to talk about this next week. Jonah's entire message to this great city, which is about 120,000, and it says that if you were to walk across it, it takes three days. He walks one day into it, and Ed's going to cover this next week. He walks one day into it, and you want to know how long his sermon is? Eight words. And he doesn't even mention God. It's eight words. He doesn't mention God. And the entire city repents. The king is like, everybody, we're going to start fasting. We're going to, start, we're going to put on some sackcloth. We're going, to, we're, we're, we're going to bow down to this God. A lot of times, it's not even about the destination, folks. It's about the task of going. God was going to do the work in Jonah's life, whether he left where he was, Jerusalem, and just set out, and went straight to Nineveh, or if he tried to run, God was still going to accomplish the same work in Jonah's life. And I promise you this, as a disciple maker, God does more in my life than He does in the men that I disciple. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and, 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 and I've had rejection, and, and I've made mistakes along the way, and it's crazy. God does more in my life than He does in the very people that I'm discipling because God will use the task to complete and mature people. And when we run, because a lot of times we do, and I know I have, we will find ourselves in some precarious situations, whether we realize it or not. Now, we live in America, and I can talk about how we're just apathetic. I'm not, I'm not going there, but I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people who are, who are in the belly of the fish, and they don't even realize it. And in Jonah's case, he sent a literal fish once they threw him over to swallow him up. And I want to point out something very important. Okay, This is a little minor detail that is super important and should convict all of us. God speaks to a fish twice in this story. And the fish is 100% obedient. The fish is 100% obedient. Church, please do not be outfaced by a fish. All right? Don't, I mean, seriously, don't. Like, like we, we could chuckle at that, but God commanded the fish to go and swallow Jonah. And we'll talk about this in a minute. He also spits him out. And so Jonah is now in the stomach of this great fish for three days and three nights. 
chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O oh Lord my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I'm sure being sucked into the mouth and down through the esophagus, landing in the stomach of a fish, is probably confusing. Or no... It, it, it's, it's probably a horrifying situation. This is where Jonah finds himself. And for three days, every time this great fish eats water and seaweed and whatever else is being consumed is now also in the belly with Jonah. How many of you like fish you like to eat fish huh like a show of hands but how many of you don't like fishy tasting smelling fish right like 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 we want fish but we don't even want our fish to taste or smell like fish we want we want like safe fish right that is probably not the case here okay i'm i'm pretty sure that whatever's happening uh, you know, and God, maybe even for humor, like let a few octopi or whatever they would be swallowed in there. I mean, who knows? There, there's a couple of stingrays, maybe. I don't, I don't know, man. Just there's all kinds of stuff. And Jonah is here for three days, and 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 I'm thinking that it probably has to be the most interesting three days of in the life of anyone to ever live. I, I mean, I can't imagine. You know, probably some guys who were like in space alone. I was in space all by myself for a time period. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, can you imagine? You're the me monster at every party moving forward. Oh, yeah? That was you? Well, I spent three days in the belly of a great fish, right? And for three days, this is his situation. And Jonah's trying to figure out what to do. How do I get out? If I get out, then what? Because I live in a desert and I don't know how to swim. Am I going to die in the fish or am I going to die out there? I don't know. For three days, there's a range of emotions. You know you're scared at some point in time. You know you're frustrated. Now, you know that at some point in time, you're mad at somebody for something. Maybe it's yourself. You know he's dealing with regret. Man, just think, I could be in Nineveh right now. Having my body parts dismembered. I, I don't know. He feels the guilt. He's worried. You know there's uncertainty. 
See, here's the thing. I know exactly how Jonah feels. Because I've been in the belly of a great fish. Maybe not a literal fish, but I've had my moments in life where God wants me to go over here and do this one thing, but I do the exact opposite. And remember we said this last week, there's always a boat to take us away from what God wants. There's always a boat to take us away from what God wants. And sometimes that boat is just fitting in with my peers. It's acceptance by others. Sometimes that boat is a drink. It's a snort. It's a draw. I gotta, I gotta puff something in. It's a purchase. Sometimes our very desire to be comfortable is the boat. There's always a boat to take us away from what God wants us to do. And personally, my disobedience always leads me to the belly of a great fish. There are consequences to our actions. There are consequences to our actions 100% of the time. There is either peace and joy that comes from living in obedience to the Lord. Now, I may not be socially cool, right? And, and, and it may, I may lose friends over that, right? I may not fit in with my peers, but when I live in obedience to the Lord, the consequences that follow are peace and joy. God promises it. And every time I step out of what God wants me to do and I choose to live there, God wants me to go over here, but nope, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to live over here. You know what happens 100% of the time? Chaos. Chaos. Every time I step out of what God wants me to do and I choose to live there, there's chaos. And with chaos comes regret, comes anger, comes worry, comes uncertainty, comes guilt, comes frustration, comes this range of emotions. I know this because I've lived this. I'm sure of one thing. I've made a lot of mistakes and I've felt every single one of them when I've stepped out of what God wants me to do. How about you? Relate to that? Because what happens next is so important to our faith. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and He answers me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Church, when you have gotten to that place where, where you have stepped out of what God wants for you, and you find yourself in the belly of the fish, there's only one thing you can do. That is cry out to the Lord. And I love the fact that Jonah says, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. If you find yourself in a place where you seem to be in over your head because of some poor decisions, crying out to God is the only response. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. This is hell. That, 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 that's... that's 
That's the Hebrew word for hell. Torture. Pain. Suffering. Darkness. He's like, I'm in the belly of Sheol. I'm in the belly of hell. And here's the thing, church, which means before Jesus comes back the next time, all right, you cannot be too far gone to cry out to Him. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that sentence. You cannot be too far gone to cry out to Jesus. And it does not matter what is going on in your life or the decisions that you have made in your past. None of that matters. Because in the moment of brokenness, you can cry out to God and He will answer you. Now, American Christianity, we love the thought of God answering us. But the reality is, when God answers, it's not always pleasant. The, the rescue story oftentimes is not always pleasant. God does not always remove us from the situation without being uncomfortable. Because when we cry out here in America, you know what we want? We want to be teleported from the chaos where we are that we brought upon ourselves. God, I am in over my head. I, I'm sorry. I'm crying out to you. We want to then be teleported straight to the peace and the joy without doing what has to be done to get from one to the other. That's how we live. That's what we want as American Christians. Now, I made some poor decisions and I made some mistakes and I'm in over my head. God, help me. And we want everything just to be fixed. We want everything to be magical. Read the Bible. Doesn't happen that way. But God answers Jonah, doesn't He? And I'm not going to dwell on this part too long. All right, especially because it's, we're about going to lunch. But God doesn't teleport Jonah from his current situation of being in the belly of the fish to dry land, does He? Once again, verse 10 tells us that God speaks to the fish. Why is it 17? I can't remember. Nope, 10. Speaks to the fish, and the fish vomits Jonah up onto the land. And my family can tell you I hate vomit. But I think, in my mind, I would like to have been on the dry land on the shore to see this take place. I, I, I mean, I, I, seriously, I don't, I don't like it, but we all know about vomit and how, and how it works. Did Jonah go flying through the air as a projectile? That, that's, that's, that's what I'm needing to know. All right? Now, now look, I, I, mean, look I mean, seriously, my, my stomach can't do it. All right? In our household, when our kids get sick and it involves the you know, the, the discharge of the contents of the stomach, I'm out. Man, I'm, I, I, if, if I'm around, Amanda's like, put a pillow over your head, like walk outside, do not look at it, because she knows what's happening. There, there's something with that that just gets me all stirred up. And, and I've got a strong stomach, like blood and guts, gory stuff, that, that, that stuff does not bother me. You, you get somebody sick, and I'm like, oh, whoa, oh no. My wife, okay, now I love my wife. I told her I was going to tell this story, all right? 
you got to understand something about Amanda. All right. I'm like the only person in the history of the world that she will eat after. All right. If it's like the last thing to eat and you take your clean fork and you, you cut off a piece of whatever it is before her, she ain't touching. She'll starve to death. All right. She won't drink after people. She, she, not, none of that stuff. Right. And in, in the course of being together for 28 plus years, I mean, she's, she's mellowing out a little bit with, with me. You know, we'll, 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 like I drank some of her Coke Zero last night. She said, I'm done. Just, just, just keep it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Right. She knows she's gotten a lot better for herself. Right. She's not a germaphobe, but she doesn't like germs. All right. And this is a true story. One day in Hartsville, Amanda and little Griffin were in the CBS, the Rite Aid, I can't remember what drugstore it was. And he proceeded to have an episode. And she caught it with her hands because she was scared of him making a mess in the store. And I'm like, you did what? Like he's doing this in the store and you just cupped your hands and you just, you caught it. And then you like, what, went to the cashier and said, I, you know, I need a place to put this. I'll be like, what, how, how does that, how does that even, how does that even go down? Cause I'm telling you right now, I'm letting it go everywhere. And I'm just shouting out to the store, clean up on our, whatever we're on right now. And we're walking out the door and leaving it with it. Cause that's how I feel about it. Right. And God, in just who He is, tells this fish, vomit Him out. Church, know that when God answers your cry, there very well might be some unpleasantness that has to be dealt with. When our decisions lead us to the belly of a fish moments in life, when we're, when we're there, and God rescues us, we still, we, we've got to deal with the vomit before we experience the peace and joy that comes with living a life of obedience. And chapter 2 is this beautiful picture of repentance. It's, it's, it's a picture of Jonah coming to his senses. Just like we see that line in the prodigal son, where he takes the stuff from the father. The father does absolutely nothing wrong. And, and the son goes and he lives in, in, in wayward living. And he finally has a coming to his senses moment, doesn't he? He returns to the father. That is the exact thing that is taking place. Jonah is having a come to his senses moment. In chapter 2, that's what this looks like. There's a wrestling that's taking place within the spirit of who we are. There's conviction that's taking place. He sat there for three days. Now chapter 3, we get into that. Chapter 3, next week with Ed, is all about the actual turning from the life of disobedience toward a life of obedience. But what finally takes place in Jonah's life is a genuine brokenness. And besides the foreshadowing of Jesus in the tomb for three days, do you know why Jonah was in the belly of the great fish so long? 
My theory is he was not genuinely repentant at first. My, my, my theory is, because we can, hopefully you're not the only one, hopefully I'm not the only one that can relate to this. My, my theory is, is that when he got thrown overboard and the fish came and swooped him up, his response was not of genuine brokenness or genuine repentance. It was, dang it, I got caught. We've all been there. We're sorry because we got caught doing the crime. And so God let him sit there. God let him sit there in the mess that he was in. He let him, he let him smell the seaweed. And if you read through chapter 2, he talks about the seaweed and he talks about the things that, that he's experiencing. He lets him sit there. And Jonah finally realizes his brokenness. And he repents. And I want you to notice the sequence of events that take place. Verse 8 says that those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. I'd study this a good bit to be honest with you. And, and, and all this is, this is Jonah acknowledging that he has placed himself, and don't miss this please, his own comfort on the throne. Those who pay regard to vain idols. Jonah made himself and his level of comfort he made that the idol. And he put that on the throne. And he said, I would rather run over here to Tarshish than I would to do what God wants me to do. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Jonah ran from the steadfast love of It's not like he's, you know, got his wallet. It's not like he's got a lot of opportunity to serve anything. But with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. He is crying out to the Lord, thanking God. Now, now please understand where he still is. He, he's in the belly of a fish with my voice. I will worship you, he says. What I have vowed, I will pay. Because see, what's taking place is Jonah is understanding. He's now genuinely repentant. He, he understands that there is discipline, and the belly of this fish is that discipline. He says, I will pay that with thanksgiving. I need to look forward to being disciplined or disciplined with thanksgiving. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The Lord has rescued me. The Lord has saved me. Church, he's, he 
He's not been rescued yet from his situation. He's still in the belly of a great fish. But he knows in his heart because he's finally genuinely broken. He knows that as he cries out to God, that God will save him. Maybe not from this exact situation, but God will save him. And he recognizes that he has been saved. Church, God may not take us out of our situation, but when we cry out to him, when we cry out to him with a spirit of genuine repentance, salvation awaits not coming up on the screen, but in, in Acts, once the church got started, Acts chapter 3 says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Ezekiel 18, Ezekiel's a harsh messenger, man. He had a harsh, a harsh message. Ezekiel 18 says, For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. Repent and live. I watched a video last night from Alistair Begg where he's talking about the thief on the cross. Remember me this day. And that thief has absolutely nothing to offer. He's the only one that came to the defense of Jesus on that day. Is this thief? Remember me, he says to him. You know what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't make the nails fall out of his hands and, and the thief fall to the ground. Jesus did not remove him from his exact situation. But he did welcome him into yourself in some uncertainty. You just don't know, man. Maybe there's a funk that's going on. Maybe there's a spiritual funk that's, that's brought on by some, some poor decisions. Maybe it's just been a, a, a chaotic, fast-paced life and there's so much going on and, and you just kind of find yourself a little bit distant. Maybe you feel that you're in this some kind of belly of a great fish right now.
Turn from what got you where you are. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for stories like Jonah. I pray that we can learn from them, that we don't have to make mistakes. So God, I, I pray right now for the people who are kind of feeling like they're in the belly of a great fish and they made some poor choices. God, I pray that there's a genuine brokenness that takes place in their life. God, there's not a repentance because I got caught, but a repentance because they want to turn to you and turn towards obedience. Because God, that's the next chapter in the, in the book. Is that when, when Jonah repents, he turns and he goes towards the Nineveh. He lives in obedience. So Father, I pray for these people right now. I pray that there's a genuine desire to be obedient. So may we feel safe coming before you, crying out in our distress. Father, I pray that you answer us.